You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. Your host is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. How does the management of arrhythmia vary in Europe and neighboring countries, and how might new data help reduce disparities? Our guest is Dr. Christian Wolpert, Medical Director of the Department of Medicine Cardiology, Nephrology, and Internal Intensive Care Medicine at Clinicum Ludwigsburg in Ludwigsburg, Germany. He's also Chairman of the National Sciences Committee of the European Society of Cardiology. Welcome, Dr. Wolpert. Hello. We're glad to have you today. I want you to share with our listeners the survey that you conducted looking at arrhythmia treatment across Europe and surrounding countries. What did you find? The history was that we had a European summit of all the chairmen of the national societies three years ago. The topic of this main congress where we gathered all the leading experts from each country was the implementation of guidelines for therapy in cardiac arrhythmias. And what we found then, or what we wanted to do is, before we talk about implementation of guidelines, to see how the status quo is all across the ESC, the European Society of Cardiology countries, because we knew that there were, in 15 countries, they were part of the European community. Then we had another 12 newcomers in the European community and a lot of countries from the ex-Soviet Union and of the Balkan. So it was expected there would be disparities and not to talk about guideline implementation with countries who don't have the chance to implement them. We thought that would be uh, not the right thing. We wanted to have a survey before we talk about this. And then we started that and we collected data for more than 30 countries in the first go, and we found out that there's large disparity looking from the older European countries, the 15, and the new European Union countries, and the North African states and the ex-Soviet Union member states. So this is very specific that the European Society of Cardiology has a huge coverage of more than 700 million people, and it's not all about Europe. So that way, we had to deal with these disparities beforehand, not to embarrass anyone or to speak with the people beyond their specific scope. Christian, this was a wonderful thing that you've done. I'm so happy to hear that you and we in the U.S. are the same, no longer happy with just producing guidelines, but we're trying to get those guidelines into use. And as you said, your first step was to find out what's being done right now, right? Collect data across the environment. Right, because it would have been very embarrassing, in my opinion, in all our opinion, not appropriate to speak on a European summit where you gather all these chairs and presidents of the national societies about topics that, for example, they can't afford. So if you talk about implanting a defibrillator and the country has no reimbursement at all for defibrillators, that would be absolutely inappropriate. And that way we wanted to have a survey that will help us in the future maybe to benchmark and to help those countries with initiatives improving their accessibility for arrhythmia therapy. So share with us some of the things that you collected data on. Well, first of all, i just give you some examples. Among those 41 countries that we have now, it's like it goes from Ireland, Iceland, Turkey, Macedonia, Lebanon, uh, Serbia, Cyprus, and France, Germany, and so on. So you have a very wide variety of countries, also with respect to the gross product, for example, and the citizens, and also a big difference in the estimated survival 
and life expectancy. So there's a whole lot of differences among those countries. And what we found is there's a large variety in terms of the amount of money that is allocated to health expenses, healthcare expenses. We found that there is a very few number of centers in some countries where you would expect that there would be a lot of centers because it's a very far industrialized country with a high gross product, but that is not the case in every country. Just to give you some examples, the number of ICD implanting centers range from less than 1 to 6.87 per million citizen. So that is a huge difference. We had a pacemaker therapy ranging from 88 per million to 1,200 per million, which is also like 10 to 11-fold more in the leading countries. We had almost no implantation rates for ICDs in some countries, and we had no CRT availability in many of those countries. There is electrophysiology centers, if you compare one country to the other, and the leading one to the countries, they're very badly off. So you have one, one center for 4 million people, and then you find uh, 190 for 70 million people. Same time, if you look at other countries with 50, 60 million, you will see that there's a lot less centers. That was really striking. So it's not that you can say that if you have a high gross product or if you have a large amount of money allocated to healthcare expense, that that means you have a large number of training or performing centers. So that was striking. And that shows you that if you have some countries within the ESC where you can't even afford the implantation of a pacemaker in a patient who will die from uh, a systole or a third-degree AV block, then it's useless to talk about CRT therapy or ICD. You have to improve their situation for the basic needs first. Maybe that gives you some idea. It does. It does. And it sounds like that your intuition and sort of first step in getting these data was right on target. This range that you saw in your survey confirms that you were on the right track in collecting the data to begin with. Yeah, which is part of, let's say, the improvement and the initiatives we want to take. I mean, it's not only about stating, but we have a task at a, like the Heart Rhythm Society, we have the task to try to improve the situation. I think to get the status quo is the first major step, because that way you make things visible. Otherwise, there will be no change. Exactly. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright. Our guest today is Dr. Christian Walpert. Medical Director of the Department of Medicine, Cardiology, Nephrology, and Internal Intensive Care Medicine at Klinikum Ludwigsburg in Ludwigsburg, Germany. He's also Chairman of the National Sciences Committee of the European Society of Cardiology. We're discussing disparities in arrhythmia management and treatment in Europe and around the world. Christian, this research is ongoing, and how often do you do report the data? Well, we do this every year now. We are very happy that for, you can imagine that this is a very difficult task. I mean, most of the countries didn't have regular registries in the past. And since it's a very, very touchy subject that really opens to the public or reveals the disparities, we were afraid that the compliance of the other countries would be quite low in the beginning, but it's the opposite. It is taken and seen as a big chance to improve so that we are doing this every year now and we have already now for this year's deadline for data submission, uh, 40 countries out of 52. And uh, we're going to have this as a standard process for the next years. So it's supposed to be, let's say, the yearbook of the European Heart Rhythm Association. Do you know if there are wide differences in treatment of other cardiovascular issues across Europe? 
Actually, the problem is that everybody would suggest that, for example, the chance to get a PCI is quite different, ranging from country to country, and it is. And uh, as I heard from the European Society, that our initiative with the White Book is supposed to be, let's say, adopted by the other associations looking at PCI, for example, and the Heart Failure Society. And I hope that they will establish the same type of survey for the other different cardiac therapy modalities soon. There's some very interesting things. If you look, for example, to countries in the eastern region, in the ex-Soviet Union and in Bulgaria and other examples, you see that cardiac arrhythmia treatment has quite more difficulties to enter everyday life than PCI. And there are some countries where we see that the interventional therapy for coronary artery disease is far more advanced than the uh, interventional treatment or device implantation for cardiac arrhythmias. So it's not every time for every country that the disparity is true for all the different type of modalities, but in some countries you have a focus on PCI treatment, but you have less trained personnel and less availability of cardiac arrhythmia treatment. You can't really say it's only about money, absolutely not. That is one thing that we learned. Any limitations in this study or this approach that you feel the need to address with our listeners? The limitation is that we don't have 100% valid data in terms of the numbers that we get from each president of the National Society and that we get from secondary and tertiary sources, that all these numbers are absolutely covering 100% of the country's reality. If you just think to get a registry on ablation in the United States, is almost impossible. The same is true for 52 uh, European countries. But we have the impression, and that is cross-checked every year by a team of researchers that are taking part in this initiative, and also cross-checked by the national societies that provide the data, we think that we are very close to what happens in real life. So even if the numbers are not 100% reality, you may end up with 80 to 90% reality. And that's why the, the limitation is it's not absolutely accurate, but it is authorized by each national president of the society. Well, and it strikes me that what you've done, which is foundational, it's groundbreaking, is to get people at a very high level, national leaders, into the habit of reporting their data, looking at their data. That's clearly the first step toward quality improvement. To put it frankly, and I said that uh, a couple of minutes ago, we were afraid that we would not get so much data and the willingness would be quite low. But in fact, because we included the 30 countries who have limited resources, we told them that we see this as a chance and this is the basis for an initiative for improvement, that the degree of cooperation was very high. And in the second year where we had our summit and in this year, we invited also politicians, healthcare politicians from those countries and showed them the data we had and we showed them that we are aware of the discrepancies and we entered a very constructive progress of discussion with those. We didn't want to affront anyone. We have the situation now that even in the political area of those countries, our friends in the specific countries have really an open ear on the political side, and we have just started a so-called initiative in emerging countries to fight sudden cardiac death, which has held already one meeting in prison, and we'll be meeting in Budapest together with healthcare providers from those countries, from those poorer countries and politicians to make up a plan or a roadmap for helping them to improve therapy. It's not only about money. We, we are aware of that, and the European society cannot sponsor treatment, but we can create awareness and try to bring the different parties on the table 
and maybe develop plans across borders of countries like national tenders and specific things that we need in the field of arrhythmia treatment or cardiac treatment. Well, this is just striking work and leadership on the part of the uh, European Heart Rhythm Association and the ESC. I wonder if you have thought down the road of comparing what you're learning with other databases and assessments in other areas of the world. Well, to be honest, it's still a very young project, but I have the feeling that if we can bring this to, let's say, a happy end in the course of the next two to ten years, that this would be an approach that we could use in also in other regions of the world. I think there's a chance for any type of this initiative because you know that if we talk about European Society of Cardiology, we're not talking about Europe or Central Europe itself. It's much bigger. And the fact that we have the countries like Lithuania, Estonia, Georgia, or Armenia, which are like thousands of kilometers away from Central Europe, also in our survey shows me that maybe if you try to do that in other parts of the world, you can really across borders create registries with Asian parts in South America, for example, or Central America. So I think if you don't do it in a confronting way and if you try to bring people together and say, listen, we we can all benefit from this type of survey, you don't make direct comparisons to affront people, I think it's a good way. But you have to be also very careful in the beginning, to be honest, and not try to overdo it. Well, it's clear from your approach that your motive here, your goal, is to raise the bar for all those who need the care and the appropriate treatment. Yes. I mean, we would love to see really if, you know, that, for example, in Europe, you have now uh, for 27 countries free choice of work and traveling. So you can live and go to all these European community countries and work. But we see that the healthcare provision for these people who are allowed to travel free is a lot different. So we have a certain number of rights and chances and privileges that are guaranteed by European law, but due to the limited resources and also limited expenses in healthcare, we have a large disparity. So I think we have to bring these things together on the same level. We are aware that this is going to take some more time. The situation in each country has to improve also on the financial basis. But um, we hope that we are on a good way. At least we put a seed for a flower that can develop over the next 10 to 15 years. This is not going to be something that shows you the results right away. We've been talking with Dr. Christian Walpert about disparities in arrhythmia treatment in Europe and around the world. Dr. Walpert, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much, and have a great day. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Heart Matters is produced in cooperation with the American College of Cardiology. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.